This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Turn on the Jets Podcast. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're joined by New York Jets beat writer Connor Hughes from The Athletic. Uh, frequent guests of the pod. We're going to talk about New York Jets free agency and give our predictions. It's going to be about uh, about a 25-30 minute interview that we're going to get into within about a minute here. Uh, so definitely stick around for that. Always a good discussion with Connor. As a reminder, please subscribe, rate, review the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes. You can also find it on Spotify and Google Play. Uh, I will tweet those links out after the episode goes live. It's also available for playback on our website, turnonthejets.com. We will be back next Thursday with another one of our regularly scheduled episodes, and then we will start getting into two episodes per week as free agency picks up. We'll likely also do a Saturday show, which will be a mailbag and any other breaking news that happens to come through as free agency finally, finally is about to get here, which is always among the most exciting times of the years for New York Jet fans. And we are now joined by this week's guest, frequent guest of the pod, Connor Hughes from The Athletic to talk some Jets free agency. Connor, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am doing well. So, as we were just talking about before you hopped on, all the insanity is about to start, uh, kicking off with the NFL Scouting Combine, which is a hotbed uh, for rumors, information, and misinformation to be spread around about who's going to do what in free agency. Do you have any, before we talk about this year, any particularly interesting stories or memories from previous crazy off seasons where, where rumors are getting passed around around this team or around this time of the year? Oh, dude, I, I don't, I, there are, there are so many to, to kind of share, but like, I mean, the, the, the thing about the NFL combine is that there is a, uh, an agent meeting. Uh, I think this year it's on Friday. It's super early in the morning, but basically it's, it's two hours where every registered agent has to go uh, and kind of, I think it's maybe they get their license renewed or, or something like that, but it's this big meeting with all the agents and about 30 to 45 minutes before that meeting is the agent check-in. And literally every single agent that represents a player in the NFL has to go to this thing, check in and then go to this meeting for two hours and then leave. And, and literally what happens is that pretty much every single reporter that is there will wait outside the room uh, where the agent meeting is held because all of these agents have to go in and check in right outside that room. So if, if you're a team that has three or four big name free agents that, that are, you're curious if they're going to resign or not, well, you wait out there, you kind of have your, your phone out with the pictures of the guys you're looking for. You see the agent, you run over, you haven't introduced yourself before you introduce them because most of the time as a reporter, uh, you're interacting with these guys on, on texting and email or phone calls. You never actually have face to face because they live all, all around the country. Uh, so you kind of run over and say, hey, remember, I'm the kind of the guy we text all the time, yada, yada. Oh, this player, uh, Jeff's interested in resigning him. And it's just madness because you have everyone around there, your competition's there. You're all trying to get these different people, man. It's, uh, it, it's crazy and wild. But really, that's where you get the rumors. That's where you get the interest. You know, I remember going up to different guys and saying, hey, are the Jets interested in this guy? And having them say, yeah, I think that's very likely. And guys, they ended up signing. I remember going up to some and and asking about players and, and having someone else entirely, you know, kind of come up in conversation. So, you know, it's, it, that, that particular event is super early in the morning. I think it's like uh, you got to be there maybe like 6 or 7 a.m. and kind of wait because then the meeting starts at 8 or something like that, man. But it, it's wild. So, you know, the combine's great because there is a lot of information passed 
information trading and you learn a lot about what it's where it's looking like the team you cover is going but but it's also madness and, and, and hectic as anything let's start with the most recent news and not particularly big news per se but i i guess some somewhat surprising decisions considering how few players the Jets have under contract. They basically decided to let three guys, Mike Pinnell, Terrence Brooks, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, become free agents. And I don't want to go crazy or overreact. These are guys who are predominantly roster filler. I think Pinnell was a guy who, in a limited role, has gotten better each year and actually graded out very high from different places like PFF. Uh, Brooks led the Jets in special team snaps. The Jets had the highest ranked special team unit in the NFL. And Pierre Lewis only played nine games, but blocked two punts, something the Jets had not done since 2013 and was one of their key players on those units. Were you surprised by the decision of those three? I mean, for me, again, I don't think you want to go crazy about these, but when you have endless amounts of cap space, why not keep two of your best special teams players from the league's best special teams unit? And why not keep a decent young defensive lineman when you don't really have a ton of other great young defensive linemen outside of potentially Leonard Williams? Yeah, the, the, the Pinnell one was probably the one that I wasn't as surprised with because he's kind of more of your, your prototypical nose tackle in a 34 defense. And I think the Jets uh, really want to see an interior line that has Nathan Shepard and uh, Leonard Williams next to each other. And then obviously you add two defensive ends in free agency of the draft. And, and I know that, that Nathan's kind of gotten a lot of heat from the fan base because, you know, he fell out of favor and fell out of the rotation last year. But yeah, I think it, some people do need to remember that this was a guy that played low level college football. I know he's a little bit older, but he did need to get acclimated to the NFL game. And some of the reason that he lost playing time last year wasn't necessarily because Nathan Shepard couldn't play but because the Jets were getting so much production out of Henry Anderson in kind of a career year that, you know, while you know Nathan maybe didn't do anything to lose snaps, Henry Anderson did everything to take those snaps away. So, you know, he was a guy, remember, in, in OTA's training camp, he was he was the, the talk of town, you know, this third-round pick that, that was really impressing coaches. And then, you know, Henry kind of got healthy, got, got accustomed to playing in a 34 defense again and tore it up. So, you know, the, the Pinnell decision doesn't surprise me much because I think the Jets just want to elevate the – play of, of Nathan Shepard a little bit. Um, the, but the other two, like you mentioned, Pierre Lewis and Terrence Brooks, those those surprised me a bit because the Jets do need depth at safety. I mean, with Terrence Brooks gone now, they need to go sign or draft another backup safety for Jamal Adams. And, and I know that Brooks kind of had his difficulties playing in, in place of Marcus May when he went down, but that's because Brooks is more of a strong safety. He's not a free safety. He's better near the box. And like you said, he was a tremendous special teams player, and so was Kevin Pierre Lewis when, when he was healthy. And you know, the, I remember talking to Brant Boyer a lot last year, and, and a lot of us did in these weekly press conferences we have about him. And when the Jets' special teams really started to turn that corner and they really started to get better and improve their play, you know, we the topic of conversation was how, right? I mean, because it's it's you know basically how does this happen? How do you go from having one of the worst special teams, you know, for two, you know, the first two years he was here to then what eventually became the number one special teams unit? And, and what Boyer said was that well. You know, I, I credit Todd and I, I credit Mike McCagnan because the, these guys went out and they got me players. They didn't get me, you know, they didn't draft offensive and defensive players and then hand with me and say, hey, make them work on special teams. We signed and drafted special teams players. They signed Pierre Lewis to be a special teams player. They got Brooks and re-signed Brooks to be a special teams player. They drafted other guys uh, while he didn't play as much because of the rise of Andre Roberts, but Trenton Cannon, they drafted him to be a special teams player. And and to see those guys not only be added, but then have so much success last year and now be let go 
for you know millions of dollars that the Jets don't necessarily need. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was surprising. You know, maybe they look to bring them back on on lesser contracts, something a little bit smaller. You know, I wouldn't rule that out, but I think that was a surprise because you know this was the special teams unit that was a difference maker for the Jets, uh, and now you kind of got to go replace guys that were a big reason why it was so good. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Do you expect to see, and a lot of the, I think this is going to become a recurring theme in discussion around the Jets, uh, moves or non-moves this offseason. Scheme, scheme, it's the scheme, they're changing the scheme, this guy doesn't fit in this scheme, this guy does fit in this scheme. Do you think particularly defensively that we could see guys like a Henry Anderson, like a Jordan Jenkins, like an Avery Williamson, either have their roles minimized or potentially walk in the case of Anderson because of the Jets' Pretty clear transition to a four three under Greg Williams from a three four under Todd Bowles. Yeah, not not Avery. I, th- I think I think Avery Williamson will have a role. You know, whether that's middle, whether that's the Jets, kind of have him and Darren Lee, and they've got to figure out who they want to play in the middle and who they want to play at weak side or or probably Avery could probably play strong side, but who they want to have at one of those outside linebacker spots. I know uh, Greg Williams actually met a, a lot with Darren Lee when he was coming out of Ohio State, and he envisioned him as a middle linebacker. So I kind of think that maybe Darren will, will get first crack at being middle linebacker and Avery will be outside. But, you know, those, that, that either of those, I think those guys are fine. You know, I, I don't think that, that Avery is somebody that you have to worry about letting go. I think he has the ability to play in a 43 as well. And, and honestly, he might be even better in a 43. We'll see. But I think he'll be fine. Henry, Henry Anderson is a guy that, yeah, I think he's going to go. And, and look, I, I don't know if it's so much about scheme fit or, or anything like that, but, but there are players in the NFL that are just better in a 34 or a 43, especially when you're talking about a, a defensive lineman. And the reason that Henry Anderson was traded to the Jets in the first place from the Colts was because he, the Colts transitioned to a 43 and he could not play 43. So he actually gained all this weight, uh, or I'm sorry, he lost all this weight to, to kind of transition from a 34 uh, defensive end to play a normal 43 defensive end, but then he lost his strength and then they traded in the Jets and he put the weight back on and and I think that what he showed this year and what he showed before he got hurt in playing for the Colts when they were still 34 is that that's just where he's better. So can the Jets sign him to a contract? Yeah, but it's going to cost a decent amount of money, and you're getting a guy that you don't know if he can play in that particular scheme or not. So I think he'll probably go sign with a team that, that's going to be more of a tailor-made fit instead of trying to fit with the Jets. Uh, and Jordan Jenkins is another guy who I think that he can play defensive end. I think you can ask him to put on weight and then he'll put his hand in the dirt and, and he can be okay there. But you know, the thing about asking guys to gain weight is that they lose speed, right? I mean, that's, that's just natural. You put on 20 pounds and you're not going to be as fast as when you were 20 pounds lighter. We saw that with uh, Lorenzo Malden for, for a couple of years there where he was gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight again. So you know, Jordan Jenkins is not the fastest guy in the world. So if you ask him to add weight, he's going to lose speed that I don't know if he can afford to lose. So he's another guy that, if the Jets want to make it work, I'm sure they can figure out a way to make it work. I just don't see the point in that. You know, try he he's a guy who has value. He's a guy that has proven he can be a, a decent linebacker, a pretty good linebacker, uh, 34 outside backer in the NFL. Why not just try to get something back for him? You know, and and trade him to a team where he's going to be uh, most effective. Looking at the external market, uh, we can get to some of the bigger names in a little bit. Is there any? 
uh, guy name in particular that Jet fans aren't talking about a ton who you think they could have some interest in? I think of a guy even like Avery Williamson, not someone a lot of us were talking about last February, but ended up being probably their best uh, free agent signing last offseason. I mean, even you know Spencer Long, who was certainly not a good free agent signing, wasn't talked about a ton in February. So who are some guys that could be the you know, second through fourth or fifth guy they look to sign in free agency after hopefully they make some big swings at the top that maybe not a ton of fans are talking about. Yeah, I, I actually like two Eagles. And, and again, like this is just my personal opinion. You know, when, when we get down to the combine next week is when things start, you know, is when I'll, I'll be able to, you know, go out and, and grab a couple of drinks and go out to dinner with the, you know, the, I don't even know how many people I'll probably, it's like, you, you talk to a lot of people while you're down there and you kind of figure out what the Jets are looking to do and you hear the rumors, you know the guys that they're going to target, you know the guys that are going to make runs out. So this is just my personal opinion. Uh, but two guys, actually two Eagles that I could see that potentially making a run, I think they would, they would not break the bank, but they would have a pretty, pretty sizable impact it would be Ronald Darby, the corner former, I believe it was a bill before the, the Eagles got him. Uh, he was involved. I think that was the George Matthews trade uh, where they were able to get Ronald Darby. I think he's, a, uh, you know, the, the Morris Claiborne's a pretty good player, but you know, he's, he's already signed back to back one year deals. He's probably looking for something around the three, four year range. I don't know if the jets trust his health enough to give him that. I don't know if just jets trust his ability enough to give him that. So they might be looking for another corner, uh, Darby had a season-ending injury last year. I, I don't think he will cost as much as he would have if he was coming into this free agency healthy. Uh, he's a guy I could see the Jets, again, getting for maybe a one-year, two-year deal, prove a contract, and really uh, having, a, having a big role opposite Tremaine Johnson. He's, again, he's another physical press man corner who I think that uh, he'll fit well in Greg Williams' defense. And the other one is Brandon Graham, man, a, a defensive end. And it would not surprise me if the Jets – you know, make a, a big run at, at whether it's Trey Flowers or D Ford or Demarcus Lawrence, or I don't think Jadeveon Clowney's getting in there, but Clowney, if he's there, it would not surprise me if they signed one of those massive guys, went out and drafted, you know, Bosa or Allen, if one of those there in the draft, and then also signed Brandon Grant. You know, the Eagles kind of showed just how good a, a elite level defensive line can be when they, they made their run to the playoffs last year. Uh, nearly beat the Saints, and obviously when they won the Super Bowl the year before. And, and the thing about Brandon Graham is that he's coming from a winner. He knows how to. He knows what it takes to build the winning culture. He's a great guy in the locker room. Uh, he can play forty-three defensive end, but actually where he he had his most success in Philly is when they took him from forty-three defensive end, and then they moved him to defensive tackle in pass rushing situations. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, that's the position he was playing when he sacked Tom Brady and forced the fumble to win that Super Bowl. So. You know, the Jets could very well make a run at him for being that veteran leader, somebody who knows how to win, somebody who has obviously been successful. I think he's 30 or 31, if I'm not mistaken, so he's not going to cost as much as one of these other guys would. And then you could potentially be looking at a, a third and eight situation next year where the Jets trot out a front four that has, uh, say, Demarcus Lawrence outside one, Josh Allen as a defensive end on the other, Leonard Williams, and then uh, Brandon Graham inside. And, and they have the money to make that happen. So, those are two guys I would, you know, prematurely say keep an eye on. And again, we'll see if the Jets truly are interested in them once we get down to the combine next week and, and start talking to some people. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Biggest names that most of us are talking about. Of course, Le'Veon Bell off the top. So a yeah. two-part question here. If you had to assign a percentage chance to the Jets ultimately landing Bell, what would it be, and who do you think their primary competition is for him? And then if, outside of him, it's the offensive line. Uh, and do you think this team can effectively find 
two new starters uh, to join most likely Brian Winters, Calvin Beecham, and Brandon Shell up front. Can they go finish and go get a guy like a Matt Paradis and Mitch Morris? Uh, do you think that will be their top priority alongside trying to land a big fish like Bell? Yeah, yeah, the offensive line. I mean, I think they're going to make a run of parodies. I, I think that that is going to be one of their top guys and somebody with a big asterisk. You know, they got their they got their franchise quarterback last year. Now it's about surrounding him with talent, and, and a great offensive line is a big way of doing it. So he's someone, uh, Roger Staffold, the guy from the Rams, uh, I think is another guy that they could potentially target again, somebody who's coming from a winning culture. Uh, a little, I think he's he might be a little bit closer to 30 uh, than, than, than Matt is, but – uh, he's somebody I could see him making a run at. You know, again, you sign those two guys, and, and suddenly your offensive line's looking pretty good. It would also not surprise me uh, if they go back and get the offensive tackle from Alabama in the draft. If, if Allen and Bosa are gone, uh, if a team like the Giants or the Jaguars or some team that wants Dwayne Haskins trades up to the Jets, Jets move back a couple spots and they get Williams, and then they move him to offensive guard as a rookie and then eventually try to transition him to either left or right tackle uh, in his second or third year. So that's something I could see him do for the offensive line. Uh, big fish, obviously, they're they're going to be in the running for it. I mean, if, if I know for a fact that they love Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, they loved Demarcus Lawrence two years ago. They loved Demarcus Lawrence last year, and they love him even more now. I mean, if he hits free agency, they're going to give him a contract that is going to open some eyes, and they will give him. You know, they, I wouldn't surprise me if they gave him Khalil Mack type money. I mean, they like him that much. So he's a guy that if he hits free agency, I could see the Jets making a run at. Uh, Bell, as you said, the Jets are going to be interested. The Jets are going to make a run at him. The Jets are going to try to sign him. The issue is that I think Mike McCagnan has been burned enough where he's not going to be stupid. And, and I don't think that after what happened with Tremaine Johnson, what happened with Revis, what happened with some of these other guys, I think that he will have a number in his head that he's willing to go up to for Le'Veon Bell. But I don't think he's going to say, you know what, here's $5 million more just to guarantee we sign him. So the competition for the Jets with Bell are going to be the team that could potentially do that. The Indianapolis Colts or one just because, I mean, you think the Jets have enough money or have money. I think they've got like $120 million in cap space or some absurd number like that. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be another one. You know, I think the, the, the Le'Veon Bell is going to be pretty aware of, of where the lowest taxes are and where he can maximize his value because he's a guy that, you know, some players want to win, some players want to go for uh, scenery, some players want to go for marketing. I think with Le'Veon Bell, it's pretty clear that he just wants money and he wants the place that he's going to make the most. So, taxes might come into to play there as well with where he signs. So uh, the Jets are going to be in the running for him, man, and, and the Jets are certainly going to make a run. I just don't know if they're going to give him that contract where everyone turns around and goes, holy cow, the Jets gave him what? Uh, it, they'll, they'll, give him, they'll give him a good offer. They'll, they'll give him a competing offer, but, but nothing, I don't think they'll give him anything, you know, asinine. Whether it ends up being through the free agent market, which is, is pretty thin uh, considering some other recent years, or the trade market, do you think the Jets will be active at making additions at wide receiver, or do you think they're content internally with a prospective top three of Anua, Anderson, and I guess Deontay Burnett? Please tell me they're not going to bring back Jermaine Curse for another year, but tell me how you think <laughs> uh, they could potentially attack receiver this offseason. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the in – the same boat with with a lot of other people about assessing this free agent market i mean there's no alshon jeffrey out there this year there's no alan robinson out there this year there's no there's not even a sammy watkins out there i don't think i mean you look at some of the top tier guys that, that could be free agents i think golden tate uh dan amandola those are the two guys that probably top the market they're more slot receivers and you know quincy Nunwa, i think is a guy that while he has the ability to do so many things He's really, really good in the slot. So, yes, he can play outside receiver, but he's kind of most effective in inside. So I don't know why you'd want to move him. So 
I, I think if the Jets want to get a receiver and, and the Jets want to get a number one outside wide out, they're probably going to have to look towards that trade market, which means uh, A.J. Green maybe will have to see what happens with, with Cincinnati. Are they looking to completely blow it up, or do they think that they can uh, potentially make another run here with an addition or two in free agency in the draft? Uh, you know, Obviously, Antonio Brown is, is the big name, but I don't know if he's uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's perfect. I don't know if the what comes with Antonio Brown, the person, is worth putting into a locker room that is still trying to find itself and develop leaders and is kind of very impressionable. So I don't know if he would be great from that. But again, I mean, he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you sign him. It's not like he's Terrell Owens. It's just, you know, he's got to you got to just be aware of what else you could get. And is he a guy that could potentially be in the ear of Sam Darnold if he's not getting his targets, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think that it's going to be Deontay Burnett. I don't, they're, they're going to add someone. I could see them potentially going out there and getting Danny Amendola and, and putting him in there as, as a number three, number four guy. Um, but obviously you got to worry about his, his injury concerns and stuff and, and maybe Golden Tate as well, if they do want to make a run. But I, I think if the Jets really want to improve this receiving core, if they really want to give Sam Darnold a bona fide number one guy and not just a kind of a, uh, a placeholder until next year or they draft somebody or something like that. They're going to go to the trade, the trade market because it's, it's not, it's not out there in free agency. Looking around at this off season, do you think there's any frustration and fans love it? I love it. I find it very entertaining and, and refreshing. Do you think the, this organization and this new regime is frustrated with how public Jamal Adams has been playing player slash GM and trying to recruit players and even going back to trying to recruit coaches. Do you think there's any concern in the building about that? No, not, not over overly concerned. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they made a comment to him about the coach, the, the coaching comments that he was making about Kingbury and stuff, because it does get to a point where you need to be like, look, let us do our job. And, and with you kind of putting those, there might be, I don't, I don't any bit of a, you know, what, you know, let's sit him down and have a stern talking to, but it might've been like, okay, Jamal, let, let's, let's cool it a little bit here. But with the play, the players, no, I mean, dude, look, like Mike McGagnon said when, when we met him at the end of the year, I mean, the, the Jets need more players. And if Jamal Adams is, is going to paint this picture of, of how good this can be and, and sell this vision of what he believes the Jets can be and it gets people here, who the heck cares, man? I mean, really, Jamal Adams is, is the life of the party. You, you can see that when you're in the locker room. You can see that when you watch him in the field. You can see that on any of his Instagram videos. I mean, this is a guy that people want to be around. And ever since the Jets drafted him and he stepped foot on the field at rookie minicamp, you could see it. There was never – he was never timid. He was never shy. He's just somebody that people like. He's, he's one of those types of guys. So if, if he can show that to free agents and they can see, you know what? Like, like hell yeah, man. I want to go play with this. This guy's, a, this guy's fun. I want to go hang out with him. I want to go play with him then the Jets are going to have no issue with that. Like I said, the only, the only maybe if they're going to have a concern or they're going to be a little worried, I think the only thing they could potentially be concerned with or potentially worried about would just be when he was kind of talking about coaches that he hopes they interview and things like that. But regarding player recruiting now, I mean, I honestly think the Jets probably welcome it. And one of the best things that, that could have happened for them was having Jamal Adams make the Pro Bowl because now you have guys that con- their contracts could be coming up, guys that could eventually be free agents in a year or two, and Jamal Adams is out there showing them what kind of person he is that, that you're gonna you're gonna make people want to come there. I mean, if you if you remember Joe, like a, a couple of years ago when when he, well, this is actually much more than a couple of years ago, this is like 13 years ago, which is insane to think about. But when Terrell Owens decided he wanted to come to the Philadelphia Eagles, 
a big reason for that was because Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb had been basically recruiting him for several years when they constantly were seeing him at the Pro Bowl. Uh, because at that time, the team that lost the NFC Championship game would coach the Pro Bowl. So uh, I think that, yeah, I think that, that, um, that that's something that the Jets would welcome is, is Jamal Adams recruiting players and, and the coaches are the only ones he's worried about. All right, final question before we let you go. Put you on the spot. What will be the three biggest names that the Jets ultimately sign this season in free agency? It's like I we'll, we'll assume they hit free agency. So assuming they hit there, I, if if Demarcus Lawrence is there, I think they'll sign Demarcus Lawrence in free agency. Uh, I think they'll get Parrot uh, as the guy from the, the center from the Broncos. I think he's the guy they'll sign. Uh, and and I'll say Le'Veon Bell. I'll, I'll use I'll use him as my three: Lawrence Bell and 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 you know Denver center. I think they'll they'll come away with those three guys. I'll tell you what, Connor. If McCadden signs those three, I will take back most of the negative stuff I've said about him over the past few years because <laughs> that would that would be a franchise changing yeah. off season and be quite exciting. This team would actually probably be in the mix for a playoff yeah. spot. I certainly would hope. Um, all right. Well, good luck down in Indy. We'll be following you and looking uh, for any new scoops or news. Everyone, go follow Connor on Twitter at connor underscore j underscore hughes follow his work at the athletic connor thank you as always for joining us yeah thanks so much man i appreciate it